realizing that the that it was fear that was holding me back is why I signed up for my first tournament. And I was like, I'm going to keep doing this until I'm not scared anymore. This is Epic Ordinary Lives Podcast. Welcome to episode five of Epic Ordinary Lives, the podcast that seeks to normalize our experiences while we are on our own personal hero's journey. As Brene Brown says, if we are brave enough, often enough, we will fall. That's just a fact of life, but it seems especially true when we try to make our lives into a work of art, when we try to take positive chances to improve ourselves, when we're willing to be uncomfortable to improve ourselves or to improve where we are. And that yields very heavily to this week's part two episode with Cliff Fonseca, the owner, operator, and creator of Jiu-Jitsu Nation, based out of Smyrna, Tennessee. Now, part one was heavily focused on the beginning of his path, of discovering jiu-jitsu, of finding a love for it, and then finding his sensei, his teacher, and then leaping onto the path with all his might. So if you haven't listened to part one yet, that is an excellent place to start. But part two does stand on its own. In part two, we really go into his competition years, and which he, he's currently competing now as well, but his beginning years, and what it means to participate in a sport where you're not on a team, where it is literally person against person. One of the coolest things about part two of this conversation is that we dive so heavily into failure and the truth of failure and the truth of overcoming failure. We also go heavily into the kids program at Jiu-Jitsu Nation, which is one of its really unique offerings. They actually offer an after-school program for students in the Smyrna and Murfreesboro area. On the website, it says, complete with a friendly atmosphere, renowned instructors, and guaranteed transportation from schools in the area. It's no wonder parents continually choose Jiu-Jitsu Nation for their child's after-school activity. If you're looking for a safe, active, and exciting after-school activity for your child, look no further. As part of our after-school program, your child will learn the importance of teamwork, safety, sportsmanship, camaraderie, and fitness, all while making new friends and learning along the way. We pick students up from the following schools. Browns Chapel, Stewart's Creek Elementary, Stewart's Creek Middle, Stewart's Borough Elementary, David Urie, Thurman Francis, Smyrna Primary, and Smyrna Middle. 
if this conversation on competition and the value and power of competition makes you want to see Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competition in person, there are upcoming events that the Jiu-Jitsu Nation team is participating in, including on May 6th, the International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation Atlanta Spring Open Jiu-Jitsu Championship in Atlanta. That's May 6th. On May 20th, the Jiu-Jitsu Nation team will be competing in the Jiu-Jitsu Revolution Invitational, and that is in Memphis. And finally, upcoming on May 21st, there is the Battle for the Ages, which is in Dallas, Texas. Now, perhaps you may not find yourself with the easy ability to see those events, but I wanted to offer those in this episode just in case. Another way to check out Jiu-Jitsu Nation is to download their free app, which is available on iTunes, App Store, as well as Google Play. And it does an excellent job of giving you a layout of the classes they offer there. So if you're a parent considering putting your child in the after-school or the kids' training program, that's a good place to start, as well as if you're an adult and you want to see the schedule. That is a very easy mobile way to do that. In part one of this conversation, I offered a code at the end that would offer you 30 free days at Jiu-Jitsu Nation if you wanted to go on your own Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu journey. And I'm going to offer that again at the end of this episode. Again, 30 free days. If, if you're just beginning here with this episode, that code will still be available. As a warning, this episode does feature some adult language. So, without further ado, please enjoy part two with Cliff Fonseca on Epic Ordinary Lives. And maybe that is my comfort zone. Hmm, interesting. The discomfort cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm used to fighting. Yeah. And so maybe I, I like the fight. And I'm not comfortable unless I am fighting. And that, that, that could be part of it. It's so counterintuitive, right? Like what you, you spoke about, like when your gut says, I don't know about this. Sometimes people can interpret that as like, don't, don't do that. And we can fool ourselves into saying, oh, well, that was just, you know, my stomach telling me not, like you say, the paths that you end up on following that versus playing it safe or you, you never know. And, and that brought you to the competition, Matt, and you referenced that. And there was a time when you were very new. I would assume you, like you said, you did it about every month, even when you were a white belt under Palaharis. So let's talk through your, I mean, go in any direction, but I do feel like it's fascinating to talk to someone who has competed as much as you have in a one-on-one situation. I played football. I played basketball. There are other people out there. And if you're having a rough day, you can kind of mask it. And if you have a star, they can push the whole team. In this case, it's you, it's the other person, and it's whoever's watching, and it is terrifying because, again, it's truth. So tell us about your journey of competing from the beginning all the way to now. Well, well, the first time I was asked to compete, I was like, no, 
because I didn't start jujitsu to fight people that know jujitsu. That's insanity. That's what I, you know, that's what I thought. I was like, no, I'm learning jujitsu. So I have an edge on people. I don't want to fight other people that know jujitsu. That just sounds scary. They're going to try to break my stuff off. So then I went home and what I realized was every time I looked in the mirror, I knew that it was because it scared me. Mm. Right. And, and that realizing that the, that it was fear that was holding me back is why I signed up for my first tournament. And I was like, I'm going to keep doing this until I'm not scared anymore. And, and granted, there's times I've had tournaments where I felt like just no one's going to beat me and the, the nerves weren't there. I had really good days. I've had days when I've just been a nervous wreck and I've still stood at the top of the podium. It, the most thing is that you just want to be prepared. But, but I started competing because it, it, it bothered me. And the first two tournaments I did, I, I lost every match. I just didn't know how to play the game. And I went home. And I covered the mirrors, and I hated myself, and I kept going to class, and it really wanted, it really wanted to make me depressed, right? Like it really wanted to just, I just was kicking my own ass over it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, you know what? We're going to change this. We're going to fix this. I'm going to keep coming to class. I'm going to win. This is not who I am. This is not like I did this. Okay, now I found out about something about myself, and, and this is the end. It was like, no, there's there's more to this. But I, I really could not look in the mirror. It was really that bad. And the next tournament, I actually won several of my matches. And I can't remember if that was the tournament where I met Louise. Because there wasn't very many. And, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're talking about within like a year span. Sure, not many options. No. And and that was the tipping point for me right there, winning some match. And the thing was, I entered into the blue belt division, so I didn't go in and fight the white belts. I was in the blue belt division with a white belt on because I, I didn't have any rank. And just for those that may not understand that, he was fighting in a division that was beyond, like far, yeah. far beyond, at least on paper. Right. Well, it's, it's white, blue, purple, brown, mm-hmm. black. So I had success. I beat several guys. I don't remember if I silvered that day or, or if I bronzed, but I know I placed and so from that point on, when I had that little bit of success, I was like, okay, now now we're good. But I still hated it. I could never watch my losses. And now I really encourage my students to do so. But I had such a hang-up. Um, I was learning a lot about myself in this process. So I just kept doing it, man. I just kept doing it, kept doing it. And I kept getting better and kept getting better. And I started having more success and more success and I won a lot more than I lost, but I have a lot of losses, a lot. You know, I would place frequently. I mean, I have a box of medals at the house. But for me, they're not hanging up. I only have a few that I hang up in my my gym from me. I hang everyone else's up. But mine, I don't hang them up because that was a a process for me. I'm not going to display those medals on the wall as if, they just don't mean the same thing to me. You know, to me, it was a very personal thing. To me, it wasn't, to me, it's, and to this day, it's still not like, look at me. I don't, I don't go out there for everyone else. I go out there for me. Now, granted, I am motivated by my school and, and, and my team to go out there and represent with them and be the tip of the spear. I feel that responsibility, but I'm aging so that it's not as much of a responsibility as it used to be. The competition scene really taught me a lot about myself. One of the things that it taught me was that 
the big, bald, tattooed, scary guy standing across the mat from you is probably the least of your worries. It'll be the guy that you look across the mat and you go, Psh, really? Mm. It'll be the Ryan Hall standing across from you. And that guy will just eat your lunch. And so, like, e- even though I, I fit that stereotype, that's I, I don't really fit that stereotype. I, only on only in appearance do I fit that stereotype. But I would I would face guys that would just stand across me and look like monsters. And and they were kittens. <laughs> it was easy. It was what I find is that it's easy to find people's off switch. It means you can make them quit before the time runs out. Hmm. Right. And it's it's interesting how many people have that most everybody. Right. You can almost break everyone because you just have to break them mentally, you know, not physically. But it'll be the guys that you look across that have the most fight. You know, and I I use Ryan Hall as an example. Uh, I actually uh, trained with Hall uh, on a few occasions. And the first few days I, I trained with him, I think he was a purple belt at the time. I was a brown belt. He triangled me relentlessly, I think, for the first two days. But that dude has all kinds of fight. You know, he's, he just doesn't have any quit in him. And that's what jujitsu taught me on the competition match was that you never know who you're looking at. Mm. And that's important in self-defense, too. When you're standing in the street, you don't know who you're looking at. You don't know what their background is. You don't know what their intentions are. So it was uh, the competition opened my eyes to a lot of things, introduced me to a lot of people and taught me a lot about myself. And I highly recommend it to my students because it's such an opportunity to learn about you. You know, it'll teach you a lot about life, but it'll teach you a lot about you. And and really, the more we know about ourselves, the, the more we know about everyone else. You know, because those times when I had to cover the mirror, I had to go back to the mirror and I had to look myself in the eye and I had to be honest with myself. You hate yourself right now. You know, I had to be honest with, did, did you really prepare? Mm. Did you really tell yourself the right things? You know, I had to be honest with myself about, you know, you, you did nothing but doubt before this event. You know, you told yourself all the wrong stuff. You didn't prepare properly. You didn't eat properly. You didn't sleep properly. And I, and I think that on the highest level, or at some level, I think that at some level, it, you don't have to be on the elite level, but I think at some level, you'll hit that point where you're just brutally honest with yourself. And I think to grow, you need that. I, I think that was a huge, I think that was huge for me. Those first few years where I had to really be honest with myself because no one else was going to do it. You and you know? didn't even have a teacher during a, a large section of that. So you mean that like right, right at the beginning? At least at the beginning when you, you yeah, covered for the, the first year or so. Yeah, um, we were just in uh, just some guys in the garage. Once I had Louise, yeah, but but even at that, again, it's uh, Louise would drop one-liners that were just full of of depth and wisdom, and you just didn't understand it until ten years later. Oh wow! Like true Zen teacher sayings. Yeah, he would just say things, and you would just not get it. You know, you would just think he was being short with you, or. You know, just didn't want to take the time to explain more. But the the truth is he didn't need to. And now I, I fully get it. But yeah, but even at that time, like I would go in and Louise would teach and he was very much, you know, he was all jujitsu. Right. So it wasn't like I had access to a nutritionist and all this other stuff and how to take care of my body or any of these things or the sports psychology. No, I didn't have access to any of that. I was in my own head. 
you know, and so I, I just started to, uh, reading helped a lot. Uh, I like psychology and things like that. So I would start to read, you know, sports psychology and things like that. And it was interesting the things that I was finding and the interesting the things that were going on in my head that other people knew about. And when you, when you pick up a book and someone else has already been in your head and they've never even met you, that's, dude, that's truth talking to you, you know. And so it it's put me on a path of discovery that, I don't know, I want to say is unparalleled. You know, I, I just don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of things out there that I've never discovered that could probably teach me some of the same things, man. But jujitsu just, it's just like the all-in-one package. And when I when I started to have success in, in competition, you know, I just stuck with it. I started to believe it, who, it's, it was who I was because I had never really been good at anything, you know. So once I, once I did it, then it was just like, okay, this weekend I'm going to go hit four divisions and, and my, my goal is to bring back four gold medals right whether I did or not that was always that was the way I started to speak to myself and so now I that's how I talk to myself all the time I'm very mindful of when doubts creep in and it's interesting you said like most people think that your gut that that wrenching gut feeling maybe intuition telling you don't go I know that's intuition going that road is hard (laughs) that road is going to require you at your best the other road you can do on the couch. You know what I mean? And a a lot of people will, they will, man, people will talk themselves out of the best experiences of their lives and they never even know it. You know, they just, they'll talk themselves right out of it because it's uncomfortable because they don't want to do it because they don't want to put in the work. I think it's really inspiring to hear a lot of things out of that. One, the, the six foot one strong heavyweight, Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner is afraid you you were you were afraid and all the self-doubt because in life we can attach meaning to others by looking at them and going well they're not like me that dude would never get scared that guy is fearless and in any way to like you said if we what we learn in jiu-jitsu or in whatever path we take but i agree that jiu-jitsu is particularly educating again because it forces truth on you relentlessly you cannot weasel out of it unless you weasel out of the gym that's that's literally right. knowing that we all that's as you said thus as it teaches you about yourself it teaches you about other people and what they're going through. And then, weirdly enough, you read a book, and in that way, it's the same kind of thing. Right. What, you, what you're learning about there. One of the things you said was how you, you started seeing yourself di- differently, really, because you were becoming successful. It was harder to tell the stories of how of the doubt because you had empirically proven otherwise you had put those into question. That's the positive side of this relentless self-improvement is that you kind of, it's harder to feel doubts when you go, well, I don't know, man, look at those medals over there, voice in my head that says otherwise. But when you're, when you're in the midst of competing, does that voice shut off? When you're, when you dive into that moment, you talk about still being nervous. Does that go away when you're in it? I'm always nervous before, but very often when I step onto the mat and I bow to the ref, like there's a calm that just comes over, you know, and it's, it's a very familiar place. If I think too much about me 
it gets in the way of what I'm doing out there. And it and it happens. It does. And I beat myself up over it because I know as a coach and as a competitor, you can't allow those things to happen. But I'm human. And so back to the fear thing, people people put things in a in a black or white box, right? Mm-hmm. So they put fear into this place to where I'm not afraid of nothing. I'm afraid of very little. But fear is not, to me, over here on on the black side, and it's a problem. Where most people view fear as a weakness. I want to understand why. I want to understand my fear. And then I want to understand how to use my fear. The same way I want to understand how to use my anger and my happiness and, and all this other stuff. I want control over my emotions or I at least want understanding of my emotions which is very difficult right most people don't go that far with it so I just try to have this dialogue with myself as I'm approaching the mats and and try to clear some of that up with myself but because there's a voice there's there's always dialogue happening in your head there's and there's two voices and one voice you got to tell to be quiet one voice is rooting for you and the other one's worried about everything right and the worrier you got to tell him to be quiet Sometimes you got to listen to him. Um, he, he's there for checks and balances. But most of the time, he's useless. He just needs to be quiet. And so I, I try to have a dialogue with myself that allows me to be on the right side of things or be in the gray area of things right before I walk out on that mat and then just focus on the thing that I'm going to do. The gray area, you said. Yeah, yeah, That's- yeah. Yeah, because because there's a happy place for fear, too. You know, there's a place where there's a lot to gain from it. Right. Because the fear is there for a reason. It's there for survival. But we we live in a society. We live in a in in a time and in a place where we live with with constant anxiety and constant fear. We're like 500 times less likely to be killed by another human being than any other time in history. We're not going to be eaten by lions or wolves or bears. It's you know, it's it's highly unlikely. So none of these things are happening. But we walk around probably more anxious and more fearful than we ever have. And we're not even really sure why. You know what I mean? And so for people, jujitsu has has made me contemplate those things. I'm a very anxious person. I live with those things. So I live with that thing that I'm talking about. And, And I think it's just there's just too much to think about. Right? So on a daily basis in real life, there's way too much to think about. When you go to the mailbox and there's a stack of mail in there, you gotta go, what is all this? A lot of data. Is there going to be everywhere? Is there going to be bad news in one of these envelopes? Yeah, yeah. You, you. I, at least that's what I think. Maybe I'm paranoid, but that's, I'm like, man, which one of these is is bad news? And you're getting texts while you, so you grab the stack of mail and you're hearing bling, 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 and it's wonder what that is. What is what news will this bring? Yeah, yeah. Life is constantly nagging on you. We're we're way too connected. We're way mm-hmm. too available, and and I think that provides a, an amount of anxiety that is is just it weighs on us. So jujitsu has helped me to filter a little bit. It's I still live with it, but it, it's helped me to filter a lot and, and at least keep things in perspective. And another thing that it's taught me is that you know when in jujitsu, if you if you if you be still, you lose. You got to keep moving, right? One of my favorite quotes in uh, World War Z is is life is movement, and that's absolutely true. And I think that. You know, jujitsu has taught me that if you're training, drilling, you know, doing all the things, uh, strength and conditioning, you're moving to prepare for the match, which is more movement. It takes all the anxiety away. You feel prepared. And I think in life itself, if we just stay moving, 
it takes away a lot of that anxiety. You know what I mean? We If we stop and think too much, if we stop and think too much about the guy across from us, uh, we're going to allow things to creep into our head that don't really matter. We're going to we're going to manufacture fear that doesn't exist, and that's I, I know that we kind of went way down that rabbit hole, but man, jujitsu is that deep. And and this is another reason not to seek this destination, this fabled place in our lives where we when we have this and this and this, whatever it looks like, everybody. Has, it looks different for each person, but when I reach this place, that what you were just saying, that makes me think you're not moving anymore. We we and not everyone seeks that, but we can often go. I will be happy. I will be safe. Often it's probably I will be safe. That's in parentheses. Sure. But I will not have to deal with all this uncertainty, aka moving. When I get here, when I have here, when I have enough money, when I when when I find the right partner, whatever it is, and yet life is movement is kind of the opposite of that. It's like right. no, dude, or dudette, you're going to continue moving, shifting, and that is a prescription for how how to live. One hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, most people. You have to realize, most people think when I can sit on the couch with my bag of chips and watch my shows and and binge on Netflix, I've made it. You know, when I don't have to go to work every day, I, whatever it is, lots of people have to, and, and you have to think too, everyone's dealing or, or, or working with different amounts of information in their head. How many books have you read since high school? Some people graduate high school and they're like, I'm done. Or they, or they graduate with like a few years of college and they're like, I'm, I'm never picking up a book again. As, as though reading, as though learning has stopped because the system you're, no because longer you're out, right because you're out of the system. Oh, I've done what's required of me. When when really school, even even college, unless you're doing six to eight years, is just teaching you the basics to function. That's it. It's only giving you the fundamentals. Even on a college level, it's just fundamentals. Hundred percent. So yeah, there's jujitsu taught me there's no destination. The, the when I went through the whole Barambolo phase, it was because my students wanted it and I didn't know anything about it, and I had to start learning. They keep me on my toes. And, and that was a moment where I started to stagnate, right? I was resistant to learning it. But through the process, I started to have fun. I started to enjoy it. And I enjoyed my understanding. I enjoyed knowing something I didn't know before, which I always do, which is why I read or, or listen to podcasts or anything like that. You know, anything that will, will maybe shed some light on something I wasn't previously aware of. It, it just does. It does all those things. I mean, I can sit and talk about this all day, but jujitsu was a, is life changing. It, it's taught me so many lessons that I wouldn't have otherwise. I mean, I don't, I don't know where where, where would I be mm -hmm. had I not went and taken that first class. You know what I'm all saying? All the little choices that aren't really when you look hindsight, they weren't little choices. They were massive. That one, you're like, ah, I think I'll go. Your buddy's like, hey, are you coming to the whatever? And you go, nah, I think I'm gonna check this out. Boom, a 180-degree different change yeah. of your life. I'm curious, are there any, is there one match, uh, you talked about at the beginning, because in life we, we come up to these, we always have to keep moving, but there are some challenges and dragons that we fight that we look back on and we, we look back with, with happiness. Is there a particular match that sticks out in your mind as being like, you, you think of... For whatever reason, it, 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 it's unique. It sticks out. Probably some of my more recent matches, 
because I I pulled off some moves and and some of these these recent tournaments that I I didn't do as a younger person. Right? And they're they're more technical, more advanced um movements that I should have been able to do with a younger body, but because my understanding is so much better now, I I've, I've really been ha- happy with the the level of of jujitsu that I've displayed in, in competition. And that's, you know, and that's why I still go out there. I really go out there like, Hey man, I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna try this. You know, like last year I hit an overhead X guard sweep. I was so happy. You know, I, I lost that match uh, to a, a beast of a competitor. And, and I, it was, it was a, a mistake that I made, but I take nothing away from them because they're all formidable opponent, opponents. You see what I'm saying? Like, when I say I made a mistake, I just understand where I lost control of the match. And, you know, I think about things I could have done differently, at least. So I'm pretty excited about some of the things that I've done because I feel like they're far more technical matches and, and, and more of a representation of jiu-jitsu than, than a lot of the things I've displayed in the past. I, I've had a lot of really good matches and I've shown a lot of really good jiu-jitsu. But I think overall I have not. I think I really have had this grinded out, fuck you sort of attitude towards competing. And a lot of times handing out that business card was how I got through the match. It wasn't because of any real technical ability. I just wanted it more than that guy. And so mm. I just fought harder, which is not what jiu-jitsu is about. It's, it's about fighting smarter. Uh, that, that's another thing. It's, it's taught me. I'm a slow learner on that. I fight hard a lot. And um, I, I still... I overcompensate with my physical abilities. But at the same time, I don't want to beat myself up too much because if you have a small guy and he's really fast, you know, people don't people don't go, oh, well, he's fast. But if you're a big dude and you walk off the mat, every single time they'll go, oh, well, he's strong. That's true. And it's so it's like it's like, dude, it's so unfair. Like you're really flexible, you're really fast. I don't, and no one's walking off the mat going, "Man, he's so flexible, he's so fast." It's the classic kid <laughs> on the kids on the playground. He, you're bigger than you, he is, and thus yeah. you you should win. Like you, you should beat him. Yeah. One of the things that you've talked about throughout all of this is, and and, and even this example of some of your best matches are here, not when you were. 28 years old and springing and your joints were, but later, and it speaks to the technical prowess. It speaks to the criteria being that you, you pulled off things and somebody might be listening right now throughout this whole conversation who has never done any of this. And they might be saying, well, this is way too hardcore for insert whatever adjective you want, but this I'm too old. I'm too out of shape. I'm too, I'm too young. I don't have enough. Whatever it could be, do you have anything that you would say to that person who's never tried jujitsu for the myriad of reasons why you might not? And wh- what would you say to them? Man, jujitsu is, is, has a place for everyone, right? I mean, you can literally be the the D one wrestler that comes in. You know, he's super intense, super physical, and jujitsu has a place for you. You can be. You can be anybody, right? I mean, you you look and and you can be the smallest, weakest person. I mean, look at the Meow Brothers. Look at Calterra. Calterra got started because he was picked on and beat up every day. Now he's a world champion. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter where you come from. 
the jujitsu has a journey for you. It doesn't have a destination. That that as, does not as we've exist. well established. Yeah, yes, but it has a journey for you, and it it is going to teach you about yourself and other people, and hey, man, it's going to teach you lessons that you didn't know were coming. Everyone can do it. We we have a guy in our association. I can't remember his age, but I want to say he's sixty. Okay, multiple time world champion. You're talking about a guy who gets beat up on every day in class. He has back problems, like de- degenerative disc and and things like that. And and mm. I, I'm not I'm not sure exactly. I'm just sure. aware of an amazing person. Uh, runs an art gallery, and this guy will go out there and win decisively every every time. You know, and and when people, if you ever met him, you'd never know. You would never know. Jiu-Jitsu has a place for everyone, and it's it's something that everyone can do, and everyone can go at their own pace. The problem is thinking that you have to walk in the room and keep up with so-and-so. No. Just go in there and keep up with you and monitor yourself and enjoy the journey and have a reason for showing up, you know, what whatever that reason is. But, yeah, it's any anyone literally can do it. It's, it sounds cliche, but it's it's, it's the absolute, absolute truth, no matter what the age or... You talked earlier about how you you would early competing you would see the the shaved head bald guy with tattoo and you, and he would be a kitten yeah. again you don't know who you're looking at you don't know that the art gallery guy is a champion like he's t- and that's the right. beauty you cannot in life we have all these criteria for how we look at another person and we go oh that's a tough person and that's another one of the beauties is that. Y- your identity is your own. It, it isn't based. Again, you might be more nervous about facing the more sinewy guy that was probably had more bullies to deal with growing right. up than the six foot four guy. Sure. And, and that's why the big guys are easy to find their off button. They've mm. never been tested. You put them on their back and smash them unless they've been there grinding it out. And unless they've been through those processes by someone else in their gym, someone has to help them along with that by smashing them you know what i mean and then they have to deal with that that very often they just quit but you know what you're saying about like your basically your prejudices in life by looking at other people it does teach you to look at everyone in the world differently because you don't know what's behind their appearance now i i'm 100 believe that profiling uh, and i i hate to use that word because it has a, a connotation but it's profiling works right so in the sense of like a hawk gets a split second, or a rabbit gets a split second opportunity to recognize a hawk as a threat, even though it's never seen one in its life, right? And the based on how that rabbit responds, it is either lunch or it lives, based on how it. And, and we do the same thing. We look at each other. We try to determine what tribe the other person's from. Are they friend? Are they foe? Right? And so this is this is part of our survival instinct. But what jujitsu has taught me is that you have to look past. You have to look deeper than that. There's more to people than that. There's a so much more than what they're wearing or whether or not they have a beard or whether or not they're <laughs> bald or whether or not they have tattoos, right? There's just so much. And so when people meet on the mats, they're from all walks of life. They're from everywhere. You know, it's not like there's a consistent theme, you know, a bunch of, you know, meatheads on the mats choking right. each other. You know what I mean? It's 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 a place where intellectuals meet. You know, it's a place where we're 
where thinkers meet, where, you know, where the guy who reads all the time. Meets. As reflected in this conversation, how philosophical we've gone using jujitsu as merely the, the vehicle. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's deep, man. It's, and you'll, you'll meet amazing people, right? Because it attracts so many different types of people. And so along with, along with the competition, when you're looking at, you know, you're learning not to judge people based on their looks. You got to judge them based on what they're going to give to you, and you got to learn pretty fast what that's going to be. You know what I mean? When people walk on the mats from all different walks of life, you start to get to know people in a different way, in an intimate way. You know, you're you're up close, you're personal, you're sweat dripping in each other's face and eyes and mouth, and you know it's it's very it's very intimate. You, you really get to know these people, and you you start to put away uh, some of your preconceived ideas about who people are. You know, you, you'll never be able to let go of your, you know, that, that survival instinct to profile, right? You'll never let go of that. It's, it's, it's ingrained in us. You know, there's a reason why we use symbols and flags and colors and things like that. There's all of those things are meant to communicate, right? We, we communicate to each other all the time, but it makes you consciously look further and deeper uh, into almost everything, not just people. And you've got that ability, you, you get that initial automatic boom instinct but then you you have a framework for which to judge that and especially having done the opposite having looked at having like you say the intimacy of jiu-jitsu is undeniable you don't have a choice you're grappling with people you're 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 wrestling with them on the floor and that seems to automatically take away to break literally break down walls because right. you cannot be that close to somebody and really look at them as an other it's it becomes incredibly hard to be that close to another human being and to view them as part of group blank and one of the things that's been very inspiring about this conversation is how you said that the medals that you put on the wall are not really your own because again they're for you this this was your path but you do love putting up your school's medals on the wall and one of the things that i've been very impressed looking at the jiu-jitsu nation website is the kids program this can be counterintuitive someone might be hearing this conversation and going an excellent kids program but you pick up from many of the local schools you have an sure. after school program in whatever direction you want to go in talk about the kids program Man, you know, the kids program was the first thing to grow at the nation. Adults are very skeptical. The the com communities are very skeptical. So when a new business arrives, especially one that's as up close and personal as, as a jiu-jitsu school, I almost feel like people want to kind of wait and see what happens. You know what I mean? Like, are they going to be here next year? You know, like they don't really necessarily want to make the investment immediately. So like... It's always a slow grow, especially when you're not dumping a bunch of money into marketing and stuff like that. You're just you're just set up. So the kids were the first to arrive. You know, I had a handful of kids. They were super excited. And I don't have kids myself, so it was a real opportunity for me to sort of experience that, right? I had taught kids in the past. I wasn't really interested. I was a competitor, and I wanted to deal with competitors, and I didn't want to deal with kids. But when the nation came and I knew that I was going to do an after-school program, I knew that I was going to have to put all that aside. When I started working with the kids, I just fell in love with them. They worked so hard. They were so excited. And the thing was, they were there every day. Where adults are wishy-washy. Ah, I got something to do or however they felt or whatever you know, bullshit they want to tell themselves why they didn't come to class. 
a lot of times life really happens, but a lot of times they just happen to themselves. Um, but with the kids, man, parents just... It's a good t-shirt right there, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but with the kids, man, parents make sure that they're there. It's interesting that parents see the value in investing in their children, but not themselves. So anyways, I, I was hooked immediately because I was like, man, these kids are here every day and they're putty in my hands. You know, I can really just teach them and mold them and they have so much time. By the time they're 18 or 19, they'll be monsters. And it's true. You know, slowly the, the, the kids program grew and it's given me such an opportunity and, and motivation to improve myself, right? So I have these little people looking up to me. That's a huge responsibility. I have parents bringing their kids to me. That's a huge responsibility. I need to make sure that I'm I'm doing something worthy of that, right? Uh, so it motivates me to do everything that I already want to do for myself, you know, to, to add value to myself so I can add value to them. Uh, I mean, we work with all kinds of kids, all kinds, and kids that I, I really didn't think that we would be able to deal with initially, you know? You have kids with ADHD and, and this and that, and you have kids, you see kids that are just, the parents are working all the time, and the parents don't realize that they're not spending enough time with their children. My my job would be easier if parents would realize that they're not just dropping their kids off someplace safe for them to hang out for a couple hours before they come pick them up. You know, we were really doing our best to plant seeds in those kids for success down the road whether they are choosing to follow jiu-jitsu or whatever it is they do, I want to instill things in them that they're going to apply to every, you know, what we've been talking about this whole time. And in every aspect of their life, I want them to be able to apply the lessons that jiu-jitsu teaches them. So the, the kids program has actually been one of the places where I've grown the most as an individual. Like they teach me every day. And I love that I'm involved with starting from the ground up Maybe, and I, and I think that a lot of people miss this, but altering our future a little bit. Uh, I know that sounds grandiose, but a hundred percent. From I was a kindergarten teacher, and I I had, like you say, you you have so many already developed personalities that young, yeah. four, five, and six years old. A lot of people say that who are, have not had kids themselves, they go, oh, they're. They're completely free, untethered by society. Eh, not so much. Every right. good choice you make with them is massive, and yet you still have to work with all the raw material of what they've already had to deal with. And as you said, it evidenced by this conversation, the value in jujitsu is potentially great if, if in the right hands. Sure. And thus, I don't think that's grandiose at all. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think that we can, you know, it's 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 my one little corner and my, my one little community, but I feel like it's really going to make a difference, and I've seen it in the past. I've seen it in letters that people have written me. I've seen it in, in our reviews. I've seen it in when kids come back to me years later. You know, it's strange that I'm old enough that, you know, I have people coming to me bringing their kids to me that I taught when they were kids. How crazy is that? Wow, multiple generational <laughs> yeah, jiu-jitsu right there. Yeah, I'm getting old. You can see what it's done. For, something may stick. It may be just one phrase. Like Louise says things to me. I can just rattle off a whole bunch of them. But, you know, they'll come back and they'll be like, you know what, man, your words just ring in my head. You know, whenever I'm doing whatever, that that thing pops up. And, man, if that motivates them, if that gets them through that gut-wrenching moment where they want to go sit on the couch or go down that dark road, 
man, that's that's amazing because that's what we need. That's I think that's what the world needs. That's what the country needs. You know what I mean? It, it needs less people sitting around feeling entitled and more people being proactive and creating the environment that we want. You know, we're we're so anybody can go on there and, and make a post on Facebook about what's wrong with the world, but how many people are actually doing something about it? And I I 100% believe that I'm doing something about it on a daily basis and and that every day when my feet hit the floor, I tell myself let's go make a difference, you know, because I don't want to miss an opportunity to to say the right thing to the right child that man just pushes that first domino over and then they're they're headed in the right direction. You look at somebody like Oprah, which is perhaps a weird person to bring up in a jujitsu conversation, but she had one comment, a positive comment from like a grandparent. I think it was something like, You're as you're as pretty as a speckled something. It was some little strange very kind thing, but it, it completely changed the course of her life because it, at a time when not a lot of people were shining lights, that one light was, was that no, almost like in jujitsu when you've got that one little moment to hit a sweep or something that turns the tide on that entire match. And so, timing is everything. <laughs> timing is everything. And that's why it's important for us to be involved every day. I just did an instructor workshop yesterday, and so I went over a little bit of this information with them. We have so many options, right? I mean, how many how many martial arts schools are in the area? And everybody says, oh, well, this sport does this for people. This sport does this for people. Yeah, I get it. Like football builds confidence and things like that. Uh, most martial arts programs, however, are not taking advantage of the opportunity that they have in front of them. You know, they're just, they're selling memberships, they're teaching techniques, people are coming in, they're moving around, they feel good, and they leave, which is great. That's what most people, that's what some people sign up for. But what I find is that there's such a depth to almost everyone, right? I mean, some people are really shallow. A lot of people are really shallow. But there's such a depth to most people that you're really missing an opportunity to get inside and, and motivate people to do something else. You know, when I see people turn around and, and like, you know what, listen to me talk, and they're like, I'm just not happy with what I'm doing. I've never really realized it as much as when I'm talking to you. They start to make changes in their life that does make them happy. You know, they start to go down a road like that. Like, that's just an example of, of why I wake up in the morning. You know, because I didn't follow the traditional path. You know, I have a ninth grade education on paper. But I, I, I continuously educate myself I just didn't care for school my feet hit the floor and I and it's and it's go time right it's 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 I I know that the things that I have experienced may may push someone to man you know to to not wake up at 65 years old and go damn it man where did it all go yeah I yeah. wish I had more yeah because people do because you know when I look at those kids uh, like for example I'll, I'll go to Walmart one here locally and there's a guy I went to high school with and he's worked there since high school and not there's anything wrong with that I don't know what his life is like I just see him but I it's not for me you know and I can't imagine waking up one day and going I've worked at Walmart for the past 25 years and and I have to wonder do they you know do they wake up and and want other things and they've just never gone after it and what's stopping them What's keeping them from doing it? 
one of the things that you know, I apply this to my kids, and I have these conversations with them, and I tell them, you know, that there's lots of paths. There's not just one. You know, we society lays out a blueprint for for you, but it's not the only one. You can be anything, do anything you want to do, but it takes work. It takes a lot of work. It's not less work. It's more work. It is more work to do what you want to do than what everyone tells you you should be doing. Mm. But it's but it's a way more fun. So you don't notice the work. I don't notice that I put in 60, 80 hours a week sometimes because I enjoy it. So the, the, the kids, the kids thing has, has really um, given me an opportunity since I don't have them myself to try to really plant seeds of goodness and, and really affect what they're pursuing, you know, and why they're pursuing it and stuff like that. You know, they're obviously getting input from their parents and things like that, but uh, I want them to see something else. You know, I don't, I don't want them just to see the same thing or get the same information. There's, there's, there's more to life than, than what we've been told. And that, that's my experience. That is my exact experience. <laughs> and you became this person who wakes up and swings for the fences and has this purpose and has this mission, which is built in the art of jujitsu, but it extends as we've found in this conversation across so much of life and across so much of the impact you can make. And yet years and years ago, you weren't even on this path. You, you walked it and like you said, you're not done. You, you don't even necessarily consider this the middle of the path. This is still the beginning. And yet there was a time when you were 18 or 19 years old. And at least in your case, you were not even really close to jujitsu. No. So what advice would you give that guy right there now standing on this side of the mountain? Man, I would tell myself to, to do, and I was always a person that did what I wanted to do, but I, I would have, so I would tell me to, to follow my passion and, and work hard at it. Start sooner, start now and just do it whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like for me, obviously it was, it was martial arts, but a lot of people, maybe they play music and they play music well and they don't even really try. But what if they did? You know, what, what if they were Jordan in the driveway shooting those free throws over and over and over? Putting and over? the hours in, deliberate practice. Yeah, I mean, we have those free hours every week and that are just mostly wasted. If, if people, if you could keep a timer on your Facebook apps, your social media apps, and the amount of time that you spend on them, that would be an interesting app to monitor the amount of time that you spend on there. And then every week look at that and go, man, what could I have been done, doing with myself? I guarantee you it's a couple hours at the gym or something, you know. So, yeah, it would be to stop wasting time. When I started jujitsu, I was like, man, I've wasted 10 years of my life. I should have started this years ago. I should have I should have already been doing doing this. I should have I should have been on this path to begin with before I had, you know, and I and I, I never really had anything to lose. But you know, once you get a job and you get married and and things like that and people expect stuff from you. I I can remember at that time in my life when I first started working. I was working for my father-in-law at the time and he used to tell me all the time you're going to get hurt and you're not going to be able to work. Mm. You know, at 26, but I started working for him when I was like 19. Wow. Yeah. You know, and so, and I wanted to do those things, you know, I, and I dabbled in those things earlier. So I guess my first jujitsu lesson, well, no, yeah, it was, it was around 26. So yeah, I didn't really get started completely until 
I'm trying to think. Maybe I had a little bit before. I'm thinking maybe the garage years was just before that. I don't know. Time goes by. But, yeah, it would just be to do it, man. It, 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 because so many people wait, and, and really they talk themselves out of it. I, I find, and, and a friend, a really good friend of mine uh, pointed this out to me. He's like, you know, when you follow your gut, you do well. He's like, if you think about it, you, you just make decisions that aren't really you. And, and I think that's what people do. I think a lot of people overthink it. And so they just do what they think they're supposed to be doing rather than doing what their gut is telling them to do. And they're missing out on massive opportunity because if you follow life with a passion, if you follow whatever it is you're doing with a passion, it's go- it's going to work out. You know, the vast majority of businesses do not fail. They close voluntarily. Hmm. They don't tell you that. They don't tell you. They just say, well, most businesses close within the first two years or three years. But no one's looked up why. They just regurgitate that one line. They tap out. Sure, it's a lot of work. You know, there's all these memes floating around Instagram and stuff that says entrepreneurs would rather work 80 hours to avoid working 40 hours. It's true. It's true, but I can check out whenever I want to. I don't want to. And I can take off whenever I want to. Well, I don't want to. You know, sometimes you need downtime. You have to recharge, and there has to be a balance. And with a lot of times with people like me, there's no balance. It's wide open and crash. Yeah. Wide open and crash, yeah. you know. But knowing that about my 18-year-old self, I was the same guy then, it would just be to stop listening to everyone else and just do what you, your heart's telling you to do because that's ultimately what I did. But after years of doing what everyone else was telling me to do, I was trying to please everybody else. And again, what your gut might be telling you is not necessarily that that does not mean you're you're going to deal with fear on a daily basis. The feeling in your gut could be the one of discomfort. That could be the arrow to follow, not the, the path of safety or bliss or your passion is going to require I read in a book recently called Do Over, you don't defeat fear once. You you swim in it when you head towards what you want. It's it's something it's not a, a dragon to defeat be defeated once. It's a ocean to swim in. Absolutely. I I think it was Robert T. Kiyosaki said that entrepreneurs, wildly successful people, have experiences in their life that are completely the the, the polar opposite of what they're living currently. Right. So someone who may be very, very wealthy today did not grow up that way. And that's most of the time that's the case. And they they go to sleep at night with this fear that it can all go away. And that's why they wake up in the morning and do the same thing. And when I heard him say that, I was like, yes, (laughs) absolutely. I wake up every day and I go to sleep every night with the wheels turning and never shuts off. And every day I want to wake up and make sure that I work to maintain this uh, this life that I'm living, this quality of life that I'm living, because I've I've never been happier. Even when I have nothing, and all I had was jujitsu, I was happier than I ever was doing anything else. Never stop moving. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, please, if folks want to find out more about Jujitsu Nation, what are your ways of that they can get in touch with you? Well, they can check out our uh, website. It's a uh, onejujitsunation.com, and that's the number one. Uh, we also have an app available on Apple and Android, so you can go to Google Play or um, the App Store and uh, pick up our app and kind of see what's going on with Jiu-Jitsu Nation there. Follow us on Facebook. There's lots of ways to, to get a hold of us. 
Your Instagram, do you want to get, I, I think it's one. My, my Instagram is a random BJJ black yeah. belt. Random yeah. BJJ black belt. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Cliff, for joining us. I hope you guys have enjoyed this. Right? Never stop moving. Never stop moving. Thanks so much for listening. I think the most poignant image that stands out for me of that conversation is after his first tournament where he lost all of his matches and he covered his mirrors. And he he actually uses the phrase, I hated myself. I think we can all relate to that. And it nothing stands perhaps more stark in our judgment and indictment of ourselves, than when we have competed one-on-one and come up lacking. And that's such a powerful image of going home and covering your mirrors. And what's most inspiring about that is that that level of pain is what prompted the growth that had him coming back. And that's something that will stick with me for the rest of my days. If you would like to embark on your own jiu-jitsu adventure, the code for 30 free days at Jiu-Jitsu Nation is truth. So much of this conversation is about engaging in practices and experiences that help us learn more about ourselves. And if you would like to take that curriculum with Jiu-Jitsu, use the code word TRUTH at Jiu-Jitsu Nation to get 30 free days. If you are enjoying this podcast and would like to support the project, I am asking, please write a review on iTunes. I am up to eight reviews at the time of recording. I had a friend tell me that most podcasts don't get more than 10, so I am closing in on the 10, and if you want to support that, this is a very quick way. It costs nothing, and it also increases the chance that Epic Ordinary Lives would make its way to the front page of iTunes, where people that have never even heard of any of the guests or me would have a chance to listen. But bottom line, thank you for listening right here, right now. If you're one of the eight folks that have already written a review, thank you so much. It is my goal to continue offering you compelling conversations with ordinary people that are living epic lives. And I will be back next Tuesday with another episode. So until then, have a great day.